Hello everyone and welcome to Overreacting the Podcast. I'm your host Michelle Soriso and every week we overreact to important topics regarding intersectional feminism. This week I welcome you to the 10th episode of Overreacting the Podcast celebration. I hope you're having a great day. I'm having a fantastic evening. Today's a special episode. As I said, it's a 10th episode. We're at double digits. And we've got a lot in plan today. We'll be talking about simple stuff today. We've been talking about serious stuff for nine episodes so far. And for future episodes, we'll be talking about serious topics. So today I thought, let's take a little break, shall we? But let's stay on the topic of sexism. But let's do it light. So I thought... What about we talk about everyday sexism? I'll be talking to you about sexist things that I have encountered or everyday situation that sexism finds itself in that you might not even realize or notice and that on the basis are sexist. So let's call them out today, honey. Episode 10. Then we'll be talking about sexist jokes. We'll be talking about why they are not funny. We'll be playing a little game. And then we'll be talking about movies. We'll be talking about feminist films. This week there will be a very special category of recommendation of the week. So stay tuned for that as well. So yeah, I ask you to, you know, put your headphones on. Grab a drink, whatever you want. Coke, water, I don't know what you got at home. Sit back, relax and... Enjoy this episode of Overreacting. So I personally have experienced minor things that are sexist. Not all of these were like directly directed at me. Most of them I've observed from other people. And others I've just recollected on experiences from the internet. Because the internet is a reliable source. So we're going to take from that too. And yeah, so I think some of these may also answer some of your questions. uh, That you might have about feminism in general. Let's just dive into it, okay? Take a sip of water. And um, because you get a dry mouth after hearing some of these. Let's start off with body hair. The most natural thing on the planet that every person has. Under your armpits, on your chest, in your intimate area. Body hair everywhere. But for some ever reason, somebody decided that female body hair was disgusting. (laughs) Why is body hair on women any different from men? I've talked about this with my aunt once. It was a Christmas dinner. Don't worry, it didn't go wrong. Fights happen on Thanksgiving, but thankfully we don't celebrate Thanksgiving here, so something bad will never happen. But yeah, well, we were talking about this, and then I said, yeah, but why is it wrong that a girl or a woman has body hair while men are like the most hairy people on the planet? Not generalizing because there are some men who like to shave, but why is it looked down upon when a woman does it? And she said, because it's disgusting. It's just not good to see. And I was like, all right, there you got it. The patriarchy, it's best. The patriarchal image of women that have to look desirable and beautiful at all times. That is a sexist thing that happens to us every day. And many people ask themselves, yeah, but why do feminists not shave? You're basically generalizing and saying that feminists in general don't shave. And that is wrong. I mean, I personally don't shave because I think it's a waste of time. The hair doesn't bother me. So why should it bother you? And if it does bother you, what do I care about if it bothers you or not? Like it's 
my body it's my hair like don't look at it if you don't like it there are some feminists out there too who like to shave but that's a personal choice that's because they want to shave because of hygiene reasons i do support that choice but i don't support a forced choice that is taken based on being worried about what others might say because that's a patriarchal construct to make us feel bad at all times and ugly as freaking hell so yeah y'all are beautiful no matter whether you have body hair like a gorilla or not i love you we're a gorilla family people who are fans of wedding next on the list is weddings hi i'm here to destroy your beautiful fantasy of getting married let me show you the dark side of that all i am not against weddings i love weddings so much i think i want to get married myself so feminists saying that and there are many feminists out there who also want to get married but that doesn't mean that we should not know the history behind weddings and know that even if right now they've lost that meaning that they were fundamentally sexist so basically weddings were basically selling the girl off to marriage you know about the father walking the daughter down the aisle well that's basically the father taking the currency to the transaction and then going out of there with a lot of money that was given by the groom and if you remember that well ruchid has told us about dowry which is basically the money that the family of the bride gets for the girl that is getting married off to the groom and we used to have that too here or the throne of the bouquet for those that don't know wedding lore basically the throne of the bouquet is throwing the bouquet of the bride backwards towards all single female people present at the wedding and whoever catches that means that they'll be the next to get married if you look at it from up close, you think that's a really fun game. If you look at it from further perspective, you can see that it's basically, you're basically putting the expectation of women to get married onto single women. Originally, it was meant to be that way, to be like, actually go through with the wedding. But now it's just a fun game. That's how traditions lose their meanings and start becoming just things left off from the past. And also, one thing that I didn't realize, and that is that, like, the best man. The best man is the only one who gets to make a speech, and he's the friend of the groom, like, in heterosexual weddings. Not allowing the bride to have a speech of her own, thanking her own family or, you know, whoever she wants to thank, as if she's just, like, meant to get married and that's it. And he's the one who has to enjoy more. So, that's where the tradition comes from. Another thing that I have observed, not affecting school itself, but affecting conversations and discussions that we've had in school, and that was the different treatment of women and men in parenthood. And that is basically that, have you noticed that when a father does the bare minimum for a baby, he gets praised as if he's like, oh my God, he's Gandhi, he's the best father in the world, he's Jesus Christ in person. But when the mother forgets to do one thing for the child or does one little mistake that is not even a mistake she's instantly judged you're a bad mom you don't deserve your kid or you don't deserve to be a parent you're a bad parent why is there that difference because our patriarchal society has always said women are moms men are workers the one who provides for the family not the ones who take care of the babies there is still a sexist difference between the treatment of women and men in parenthood 
and it should change because moms are superheroes and they deserve to be praised for like oh my god you do all this you are a queen which they are even if nobody tells them whether you're a direct mom a foster mom a house mom whether you're just an adoptive mom or just a mother figure you are a queen if you've treated your kids right of course one that bothers me like hell is the separation of girls and boys clothes as well as toys in stores why is the girls section so pink and what bothers me the most is that on the shirts of the girls there's mostly written i'm going to marry prince charming or i'll be a, a princess or i'll marry my clark kent and on the boys clothes everything is blue and on the boys shirts it's mostly like i'm going to be a businessman or i'm going to be a superhero or i'm going to be a king or something that's literally just showing like the boys being the future and being strong and capable and the girls are just shown as like weeks and you know damsel in distress like and that's not helping if you're separating the two kids clothing they mostly have the same size so why not put them together and like merge the two and create one kids section my list is still long so i'm not gonna hold up on that next one is why are we only using the masculine form in the language one that i think we've all inherited without really realizing is using the masculine form when we talk and in our language i think it's so normal now that we think okay why do we need the female form because of that because it's always been the masculine form in the word i mean let's put it that way what if the standard form of language that we've used would have been the female form you would be like why are we only using females i mean not everyone is a woman well not everyone is a man so why do we use it as the standard because it's ingrained in our brains we've used it for centuries since the beginning of time we've called the human human i think we need to realize that we've normalized that. It doesn't mean that it's right. It means that it's something we've learned and that is so normal that we use it every day without even realizing its sexist roots. So always keep in mind the female example. Another thing we need to stop normalizing is you're cute when you're angry. Saying that to girls when they're angry. That's infantilizing and patronizing and it's sexist because we are not cute when we get angry. We want to be taken seriously the way we take you seriously when you get angry. The same counts when I'm on my period. The same counts for calling women crazy, jealous, drama queens, divas, or overreacting. <laughs> Pun intended. We've been called that for centuries. Why am I called crazy when I state a different opinion than yours? Or when I'm called bossy when you, a man, you're told that you have leading abilities and you're a strong leader. One that my mother experienced was when she was applying for a job in Venezuela, especially in Venezuela, in Latin America. And on the job application card, it was written, looking for a female secretary with a good appearance. She was going to the job to work and make some money. Why does she need to look pretty? There you can see perfectly patriarchy at its best. So this is just imposing on girls that they have to look pretty and, you know, their worth only lies in their beauty and their looks. One that is very current right now is... 
now the Euro 2020. And one thing that really bothers me is that everyone knows about the male soccer games, but nobody knows about the female World Cup or Europe Cup. Why? If it's legitimately the same, only that one is about women doing it and the other one is about men doing it. Why is that? I've just given you the reason. Because one are women and the other are men. The reason why is because female soccer, because of gender stereotype, people always assume that, oh yeah, they made the female World Cup just to please the feminists. Now they finally shut up about being in football. And that is sexist because it's basically still men allowing women to play soccer in the first place it's still men giving permission to the women to get into the world of football so give a little bit more attention to the female world cup the next one by the way is the women's euro 2022 next year so make sure to look at that and start considering it as an actual football game and not something just to please the feminists Another thing that I have experienced in my school is how girls and boys are treated differently in sports. We have a very, I would consider a controversial teacher. Our group is mostly made of girls because most girls have chosen dancing, you know, internalized stereotypes. And the boys have mostly chosen stuff like athletics and ball games and whatever. And so one day we were playing volleyball and suddenly the boys joined and our teacher said like, you know, let's mix the teams. And whenever a girl makes a point, she gets the double point. I was floored. I was like, wait, what is going on? Hold on. She literally had given us girls an advantage to the boys because she considered us to be less capable of winning volleyball game than the boys. We had some great volleyball players in our female team and she literally just gave that advantage to them too because still against the boys they didn't stand a chance. Like how how sexist can that be? I was really angry that day. It just it bothered me so much. Even though she's had us for like two years, she knows how we play. But still, because we're girls, we're not as good enough as the boys. Even though, to be blunt, some of the girls on our team would be much better than some of the boys at our school. She just based sports on just her gender, not on her ability. And that just was just so, made me so angry. One thing that I think nobody ever realizes, because I've heard everyone say this, is the mom and dad roles in the relationship or the wife role in the relationship the mom is always considered you know the strict one the one who gives the rules she is always right the dad on the other hand is the fun one goes with you to parks and makes you eat unhealthy food and great stuff and that that is just imposing that the moms are the one who are over emotional strict they're bossy at times well the dads are just they're the one who calm the mom when it's needed and that stereotype is really really dangerous the same counts for the wife stereotype which is like the jealous wife the wife is always right and it's just forcing the women into that social expectation that that harms them more another sexy thing that i've also experienced in school is that 
One boy has once been told by our teacher to remove his nail polish just because he liked to wear it. And that was really mean because everyone should be allowed to express themselves freely, no matter of the gender. So check your internalized misogyny and gender stereotypes as well. Thank you very much. Another one is interrupting girls or women when they're talking, when they're making a fantastic point and you're interrupting them. Or you're just waving their opinions off as if they are stupid and dumb. Also, stop calling girls sweetheart and darling, please. It's not cute. It's infantilizing. It's patronizing. The same counts for women and boys too. Calling other boys things like pussy or just offending them by saying, don't be such a bitch saying grow some balls like why do we say that to indicate strength if like the slickest push on the nuts drives a person with nuts to the floor while a pussy a vagina literally pushes out an entire human being so why do we use pussy as an insult but that is because the pussy is associated to the woman the weak one and the balls are associated to the man the strong ones, even though they are not in reality. And the last thing is blonde jokes. Blonde jokes are the most sexist jokes you could ever hear because it's basically saying, okay, a blonde woman or girl is dumb and are just diminishing women in general. So they are incredibly sexist. Which leads me to our next part of this episode, which are sexist jokes and... I'm going to be reading some sexist jokes. Let's play a game, shall we? If you laugh at one of these, you have to grab a pen and whenever you laugh at one of these jokes, make a, a line or sign that you've laughed. And then at the end, count all the times you've laughed. And that's how many times you will slap your hand and say, shame, shame, shame. Now, to make it much more fun, after every joke, I'll be explaining the joke. Let's go, okay? Pens ready? Number one. This is from Corona Times. Be nice to your wife. Restaurants are closed. Did you laugh? <laughs> I hope not. Well, this is based on the stereotype that women belong in the kitchen. That has been there in the 50s and that still is going on in many households. I hope you didn't laugh at that one. How do you get your dishwasher to work? Slav her. This one is a darker joke. So if you laughed, really shame on you. This is basically still the household stereotype of women and including a domestic violence line which is the slap her line which is if she's misbehaving slap her and that is absolutely not funny an officer says to a woman ma'am swimming is prohibited in this lake she says why didn't you tell me when i was removing my clothes he said well that is not prohibited this one is based on the sexualization of women catcalling it, sexual harassment that they face and um, yeah just discrimination in general number four how many feminists does it take to change a light bulb trick question feminists can't change anything i'll take this one personally if you've laughed 
this one's basically based on the thought that feminists are stupid and shouldn't be listened to, even though y'all know that it's not true, because if not, then you wouldn't be listening to this podcast in the first place. And we are doing stuff, so... What is the difference between a battery and a woman? The battery has a positive side. This is based on that stereotype that I've talked to you about earlier, about the crazy woman that drives the man insane and just is jealous about everything and the exaggerated woman stereotype. How do you piss off a female archaeologist? You give her a used tampon and ask her what period it comes from. I have to say this one is on the edge of funny and not funny. I find it funny because it's creative, but it's not funny because you're basically making fun of us when we're on their periods, basically saying that their period is the only thing that defines them. How is a woman like a condom? Both spend more time in your pocket than on your dick. This one is basically based on that uh, women only spend money and they're just uncontrollable and need a man to lead their way and put them in their place. And that is why this joke is not funny. If women think they aren't meant to cook, then why do they have milk and eggs inside of them? This was very creative and a bit funny. This one is based on the cooking stereotype as usual and basically on female anatomy that the women are made out of ovaries and breast milk and it's reducing them to their body parts. Next joke. Or not joke. What's the mating call of a blonde? I'm so drunk. This one's absolutely not funny because it's a rape joke and it's not funny because a rape joke is never funny and if you do rape jokes you're literally making fun of many lives getting ruined and taken every single day. And the last one. Dad, I want to be a feminist when I grow up. Well, choose one. You can't be both. I'll take this one personally too. Feminists are just immature and they are just talking bollocks and um, they should grow up. And that is what this joke is about. How many did you get? How many did you laugh at? Count your lines or your marks and slap your hand and say shame, shame, shame in the meantime because... Girl, they're really not funny. So now we get to the penultimate part of this episode. And that is recommendation of the week. Today I'll be recommending to you 10. Yes, you heard me well. 10 feminist films that are incredibly good. And that I would absolutely recommend you to watch. Because either there is great female lead that we don't see very often. Either there is an interesting plot surrounding women. Or it's just a very empowering movie to watch. I'll be reading to you the descriptions of each film and then I'm going to tell you a little brief recommendation why you should watch it and little critique. I'm Ruth Ginsburg from Brooklyn. And why are you here, Miss Ginsburg? Uh, Mrs. Ginsburg, actually. My husband Marty is in the second year class. I'm at Harvard to learn more about his work, so I can be a more patient and understanding wife. (laughs) The first film I've got for you is On the Basis of Sex. It came out in 2018 and it was directed by Mimi Leder. This film is a beautiful film starring Felicity Jones from 
either Doctor Who, if you remember her from Unicorn and the Wasp, or you might know her from Star Wars. This film is basically about the young lawyer Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes, that's right. That queen right there who passed away sadly last year. Ruth Bader Ginsburg teams up with her husband in this film called Marty, played by Army Hammer, to bring a groundbreaking case before the US Court of Appeals and overturn a century of sex discrimination. They basically are fighting a case in court that revolves around discrimination against a male person. And so some of the discrimination during that case basically turns on the female gender as well. And that is why it's so badass. So it's incredibly well made because it's a very emotional movie. It has a lot of fun moments. It's very empowering to watch the whole thing. I don't want to spoil the ending, but the ending is really beautiful. The actors portray the characters incredibly well. I was just so involved in her story. Ruth Bader Ginsburg inspired me very much. Watching her story in this film just inspired me very much to follow her. And it just shows exactly the discrimination that women in law, studying law, faced in the 40s and the 50s and just the incredible accomplishments that Ruth Bader Ginsburg did for the U.S. There are no colored bathrooms in this building or any building outside the West Campus, which is half a mile away. Did you know that? I have to walk to Timbuktu just to relieve myself. And I can't use one of the handy bikes. Picture that, Mr. Harrison. My uniform, skirt below my knees, my heels, and a simple string of pearls. Well, I don't own pearls. Lord knows you don't pay colors enough to afford pearls. And I work like a dog, day and night, living off a coffee from a pot none of you want to touch. Number two is Hidden Figures, that came out 2016. It was directed by Theodore Melfi. And this one is also about an incredible woman from history that people have forgotten about because people think that history is only made out of men. And it's basically, meet the women you don't know behind the mission you do. This film tells the untold story of Katherine G. Johnson, Dorothy Vaughan, and Mary Jackson, some brilliant African-American women working at NASA and serving as the brains behind one of the greatest operations in history, the launch of astronaut John Glenn into orbit. The visionary trio cross all gender and race lines to inspire generations to dream big. This basically just explains the whole movie very perfectly why I love it. Makes you inspired to dream big as well. And it just makes you so happy to see when they have success. Especially Katherine Johnson. I was just so happy for her. And there are some moments in this film that are just so powerful and so real and authentic. And the actors were so raw in this film. And I really loved it very much. So watch it, watch it, watch it. Hidden figures, y'all. The next movie I want to recommend to you is Moxie, which came out this year. This was directed by Amy Poehler, the comedian. It's about a girl, about a shy 16-year-old girl who, inspired by her mom's rebellious past as a feminist, as an ultra-feminist, and her new confident friend that she made, she publishes an anonymous sign calling out sexism at her school. This movie, you have heard of it because it came out this year and it was on Netflix, huge success. I really love it because you can see a huge female cast, which we've not seen very often before. 
Um, you see a very big type of variety. You don't only see white girls. You also see you see Latina girls. You see black girls. You see lesbian girls. You see transgender girls. You see disabled girls. And all of these unites the fact of being feminist, which is really empowering and just makes you want to be a part of this moxie group fighting against the sexism at school. For me, it was very relevant because everything that was depicted in this movie was something that I have observed in my own school. So the concepts that they were portraying on screen were just like, that happened. I've seen that happen in my school. Next film on the list is a Marvel film which is Captain Marvel, came out 2019, directed by Ryan Fleck and Anna Boden. This film is, especially for Marvel fans, um, a very relevant film because it's part of the MCU, of course. So you need to follow it to kind of know the backstory to everything. There's a lot of people who hate this movie. I have to say I love this movie. I think it's one of my favorite MCU movies. And especially for those who don't know what I'm talking about. Basically, the story follows Carol Danvers as she becomes one of the universe's most powerful heroes when Earth is caught in the middle of a galactic war between two alien races. What? Set in the 90s, Captain Marvel is an all-new adventure from a previously unseen period in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And as the first film that is led by a female superhero, which is groundbreaking for the MCU. I'm still waiting for Black Widow later this year. I really loved it and I really recommend it to you because we have not seen many female superheroes in the lead. The next film, I ask you to watch this. I beg you to watch this because it's just, it blew my mind. I've recommended it to you before and I want to recommend it to you again because I cannot recommend it to you enough. You have to watch it to understand the feeling that I have towards this movie and that is Promising Young Woman directed by the genius, the brilliant, the unique Emerald Fennel. Emerald Fennel, I don't know what she took when she wrote this movie because what she did to make this movie so great, I, I don't, I still don't get it. I don't understand how brilliant her mind has to be to write this movie. This movie is about a young woman haunted by a tragedy in her past that takes revenge on the predatory man unlucky enough to cross her path. She basically goes every week to a bar and she acts like she's too drunk to stand and she waits for good guys to pick her up and take her to their homes and you know try to sexually assault her but while they are trying to she like drops the act and confronts them and just humiliates them the way this movie portrays how victim blaming is so current in our present it's really brilliantly written and fun fact emerald fennel was pregnant when she directed this movie which makes it even much more awesome because it just shows like mom's working so it was double the girl power. And it has Carrie Mulligan in the lead. Absolutely a must watch. Next one is Suffragette. Suffragette is very specific because Suffragette is about the suffragette movement of the 20th century. If you don't know what the suffragette movement is, you might be a little bit confused when you watch this movie. But at the same time, it could be a great opportunity to learn about the suffragette movement. This is basically based on true events about the foot soldiers of the early feminist movement who were forced underground to evade the state because they were fighting for the right to vote. It's a great portrayal of historical events. It makes you part of history. It makes you involved in the story that just is so important and not enough people know about. So if you want to learn, guys, 
definitely a must watch. It was directed by Sarah Govern and it stars Carrie Mulligan again. So <laughs> if you like Carrie Mulligan, it's your lucky day today. The next movie is very controversial. Many people hate it. Many people love it. I have to say I loved it so much when I watched it the first time. It was directed by Harry Bradbear and it is Enola Holmes. Some people right now will be like, oh girl, no. This is, I think, mostly based because people don't like Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> so this movie is basically about this young teenager girl called Enola Holmes, who is the smaller sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes. She is searching for her missing mother and she uses her sleuthing skills to try and outsmart her older brothers and help a runaway lord in the process. Like she tries to solve the case of finding her mother and that is just great because we finally get freed of the damsel in distress and finally we get a woman, a girl in the freaking lead saving other people, which is really epic. What I really like about this movie is, since it's a period drama, I love that the costume design was included in the movie. So when she's fighting, like physically fighting, she uses her corset, for instance, to fight. And I love that. I don't want to spoil too much, but at one point she's stabbed into her chest, but she's wearing a corset, so she's not really stabbed. Yeah, and I spoiled too much, I'm sorry. But it's so, I love it so much. And the storyline is interesting. And it's interesting that it's a girl looking for a, her mother, which we don't see that often. The next one I am in love with this movie is Thelma and Louise. This movie came out in 1991, directed by Ridley Scott, starring the great Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon. And while the description of this film is basically, whilst on a short weekend getaway, Louise shoots a man who had tried to rape Thelma. Due to the incriminating circumstances, they make a run for it, and thus across country, chase ensues for the two fugitives. Along the way, both women rediscover the strength of her friendship and surprising aspects of their personalities and self-strength in the trying times. It is a very feminist film since, especially in the 90s, it was a very empowering movie for women since the male dominating the screen so it was cool that it was a movie that was a feminist movie that incorporated especially the rape topic and like the revenge topic of two women including two women in the lead that was really epic and i really love this movie because it's one of the first feminist movies penultimate film that i'm recommending to you today is birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of harley quinn this one came out last year, if you can remember. And for those who are fans of this DC universe, this is a recommendation for y'alls. Which is, this one is an interesting movie because if you know the character Harley Quinn, she's known to be Joker's girlfriend in his madness. She's like a partner in crime. But in this movie, she breaks up with him. 
It's open season on Harley Quinn when her explosive breakup with the Joker puts a big fat target on her back. Unprotected and on the run, Quinn faces the wrath of narcissistic crime boss Black Mask, his right-hand man, Victor, Sass, and every other thug in the city. But things soon even out for Harley when she becomes unexpected allies with three deadly women, Huntress, Black Canary, and Renee Montoya. Birds of Prey is an American superhero film based on the DC Comics team's Birds of Prey. It is the eighth film in the DC Extended Universe and a follow-up to Suicide Squad in two th- from 2016. Yeah, I love this movie too much. <laughs> Best thing that I love is that this was directed by a woman called Kathy Yan. And it was mostly also co-organized like, by Margaret Robbie, who plays Harley Quinn. And I thought it was very interesting that in the Suicide Squad, she herself explained, when I saw my costume for Birds of Prey, I was so happy to get such a cool costume in Birds of Prey because in Suicide Squad, I felt so sexualized. And that is true. Like in Suicide Squad, she's only wearing like the shortest shorts I've ever seen that looks like panties, a raggedy shirt. And here, she's just got incredible outfits that just make her look badass superhero that doesn't need to be sexualized to be cool. And so that already makes this movie so great since already the focus has been laid on her badassery because her character is that way and not on her looks or her sexiness or her vulgarity. No, this movie is based on female empowerment, on character developments And that is just really interesting. Also, a female cast like Moxie, so only that it's about action, which we don't see many women in action nowadays. And the last movie I'll recommend to you today is Mad Max Fury Road. I have not watched this movie, but I've heard a lot that this is a feminist film, so we can watch this together. It was directed by George Miller, came out in 2015. It's an apocalyptic story set in the furthest reaches of our planet, in a stark desert landscape where humanity is broken and most everyone is crazed fighting for the necessities of life. Within this world exist two rebels on the run who just might be able to restore order. Starring Charlie Theron and Tom Hardy, it's an action movie and it's very feminist-based because There is also a group of women here who fight against their owner. They're like treated like sex slaves in this desert by this one guy. And they're basically as a group of women, like with the help of some party, they fight against this guy and it's just female empowerment to its core. So especially because it's female empowerment in action movies, which we do not see enough. And so this ends up the whole recommendation of this week. I hope you'll have time to watch some of these. I've named you enough. So if you don't find one of these on the platform that you normally watch your series on or whatever on, you don't have the excuse that you don't have any other movies to watch. So there's a huge choice. Also, I've I've tried to take from different genres so that you have a big choice to choose from. So yeah, have a great time watching this. And now guys, I had to make something special for the 10th episode, right? So as a grand finale, take a sip of your drink and sit back, adjust your headphones and get ready to be blown away. This is Overreacting the Rap, written by Michelle Cerizo. 
performed by Michelle Cerezo to call out the sexism out there. How do women do their stuff if they're always taken up by sexist assholes making drafts of their bodies like a map? Pro-choice, pro-life, that's so rough. Sexy, prude, whore, and cunt. That's the name she's got for now. Cause she's always been too loud. Disney pink dress, makeup on. Pussy weak, look down upon. Nosy, bitchy, drama queen. Keeps the kitchen swept and clean. Interrupting, mansplaining. Only he should be remaining. Are you woman? Bring me coffee. You in charge? Wow, you're so bossy. Sweetheart, get down on your knees. Tell me about the birds and the bees Cat coast rapes, no news for me That's how it will always be Too much drinking, slutty dress You're at fault, poor you, I guess Pregnant now, you did a mess Keep the baby and no arrest Pay gap, care gap, no same money Shave your legs or be judged, honey Ugly, pretty, old or youthful you will never be as beautiful Bitch fight with the other girls For who has the pretty pearls Pushed up bras and steal it corsets That's not even close to perfect Being females like a race It's all to please the male gaze After passion 50 shades Suffering is a part of dates Did he hit you? Bottle up Why'd you stay? Well, your time's up. Just should not have made him angry. Fighting back would have been handy. Money is another issue. All I get are plastic tissues for my bloody menstruation that affects half of the nation. Taxes, law, stigmatization, poverty, soft, longer duration. It don't really need discretion. What it needs is education. Speaking out is the agenda. No more hating based on the gender. No more men up pussy ho. Time to cheer them women on. Thanks for listening, my man. What a pleasure this has been. Sick of hearing feminist rants? Then don't give a patriarchy no chance. And that was it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overreacting the Podcast. I hope you liked it very much. We're through with 10 episodes. I'm so happy and so excited. I'm, I love doing this. Got a lot still to talk about. We're only at the beginning. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. By the way, I realized that if you want, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts about overreacting. So if you want, go drop one. I really love that. And, and it might help the podcast to grow more. So I'll see you next week on episode 11. And as always, don't forget, feminists are not overreacting. But sexism might. Okay, bye. <laughs>